pursuit of growth show where we hold candid conversations with fascinating individuals from all walks of life to learn about their passions, successes, failures, lessons learned, how they apply personal growth to their lives, and we'll end the conversation with key takeaways that we can all implement to better ourselves and the lives of those around us. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host and good buddy, Sammy Gonzalez. What's happening, Sammy? Man, it is happening tonight. I can tell you that much. I'm really excited to introduce our uh, guest speaker today. Uh, he gave us his little bio here and uh, I think it's actually his professional speaking bio, we were told. So we, we've got we to class it up here a little bit. So little fun I'll, facts, right? Exactly. Some fun facts about Ken Stibler. So Ken, as you may or may not know, is an award-winning international speaker. He is highly sought after for organizational development as a consultant. In the past, he's been a CEO and president of public and private companies during his 30 plus year career. He doesn't look a day over 30, so I don't know how that is. Um, he speaks to more than 100 groups per year and he's a Vistage International Master Chair with two-time Vistage Star Award winner, four groups with 60 plus members. Personally, we have both been a part of that group, at least one of those. 27 of his clients have won Best Places to Work awards in their states, and 14 of those clients are on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing list. One cool thing about him is that he has also been married to his wife for more than 27 years. His son, who we know personally, is a senior at George Washington University, and his daughter will start University of Hawaii in the fall. So that's just code for Ken will be broke for a very long time. Um, as a college basketball, okay, as a college basketball coach, he won the NAIA National Championship at the College of Charleston. And one of the best fun facts about Ken is that he is an avid bourbon collector. And so a man of many skills and many talents and a dear friend of ours, I uh, want to introduce and welcome Ken Silver. How's it going, Ken? Guys, thanks very much for the kind words. I appreciate that. Good to be here. We've been talking about this for a long time. So <clears throat> I've been counting down the days uh, for the last two weeks. So I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, what we always do with all of our guests is I want to lead you off with a nice little intro question there. And then we're going to get to the meat of this, the hard hitting questions. But first and foremost, we want to know about your first professional job. We want to know what lessons did you take away from that experience? Well, it's ironic that we're uh, right here in the middle of final four, you know, time college basketball. And I graduated college and I wound up becoming a college basketball coach. I worked at George Mason University. And back in the day, we were only allowed to have two assistant coaches on your staff that were paid. And the number one assistant was a gentleman by the name of Rick Barnes and Rick who's now the head coach of the University of Tennessee. I uh, was also at the University of Texas for many, many years, but uh, he was the first assistant. I was the second assistant. And uh, I won't tell you how much money I made. It's kind of embarrassing, but uh, <laughs> awesome to be able to just do that. And um, I was actually all set to go to Tulane grad school. And then it was just really kind of a change the last kind of week that uh, I wanted to take in this job at George Mason and uh, awesome experience. Uh, had a chance to recruit. I remember being in you know, at Duke's, you know, stadium and, you know, their gym. And just, it was really just a good experience as a, as a young guy. You know, I was 21, 22 years old. So that was my first job out of college I got paid for. 
Wow. Mm. So, I mean, obviously being a coach, you know, I think it's just a natural entree into the rest of your life, right? We can definitely tie those, those pieces together. Uh, but for the people that, you know, don't know you as well as we do, maybe give us some examples about like what it is, what your career path, where it's taking you a little bit. And then what are some of those key findings that uh, you think led you down that path? Because you obviously have a passion for coaching. Well, golly, you know, it's funny. I, I think I'm in right where I am today. Um, I'm in a spot that I think I've kind of been trained and groomed for my entire life, but I think there's a little DNA there. Uh, you know, my dad, my dad was a coach. My mom was, was a teacher. My dad's a teacher as well. And really what I do today is I teach and I coach. And, uh, and I've added a, a new word to my, uh, to my repertoire the last several years. And you guys have I've heard me talk about that. And, you know, and that's what are you doing to nurture people's growth? And um, I think as I get older, you know, my, my job has changed. Um, and it really, it's about what I'm doing for others. And uh, it's about nurturing, nurturing the growth in other people. But, you know, my, my, my career, I started out in coaching. And then um, I wound up getting out of coaching when the Bell operating system broke up, AT&T broke up. And I had a chance to go work for a company out in California called Pac Bell. It's one of the seven regional bell operating companies. And uh, I worked there for, um, for, I guess, almost 14 years. And when I left, I, I was a, you know, as a general manager and which is awesome, just responsibility, a uh, very decentralized environment. So, you know, you had responsibility for the people side of the business, for the financial side of the business, the marketing side of the business. So essentially, you know, you ran it as, as if you were the, the owner, great skills. I learned it was different. Um, you know, living out in California. Um, Melanie, my wife, is, is from Atlanta. And I actually moved out to California and then came back to Atlanta and married the girl. And moved her out to, moved her out to, uh, to California. But, you know, all along the way, I think, um, I really wish that the old Ken Stibler today could have the opportunity to talk to that young Ken Stibler of, of 40 years ago and say some of the things I've learned now that, that I didn't really even see back then. But the, the cool part about this is I have a 21 year old son who is simply awesome and you guys know him. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the highlights this year for me is he's gonna graduate college in three years in May. And so we're, we're gonna be there as a family. And even though they're not celebrating it on the lawn, you know, with the Washington Monument and everything, we're still gonna be there and we'll celebrate that. But I bring that up because, you know, I get a chance to Look at my son and my wife will often hit me in the ribs and say, you know, there you were 40 years ago. And, and sure enough, you know, I see my son with all this energy and all this zeal. And, um, and I don't know if I told both you guys this, but you know, I, he's, a, he's in a Vistage key group in DC. Did I tell you this? You did, yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's in a group there and golly, I talked to the chair and he said, you know, Ken, he said, he could, he could probably run these meetings. I said, do not tell him that. <laughs> You guys know him. He would do that. You know, Greg, he would. Yeah, he would. So I've got to ask you a question. I've got to jump in. So don't lose your train of thought. But my question is, I like how you mentioned, if you could go back in time, you would love to be able to talk to yourself, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So I imagine some of the same conversations that you would have had with yourself 20, 30 years ago, you're having with your son today. Very much. So my, my question for you is, how do you see your son? How are you actually getting through to your son to where he listens and applies what you're what you're sharing with them. And part B to that question is, do you think you would have listened to yourself 
because I think that's something that's special about your son is he's he is really eager to learn. Did you have that same eagerness or did you have a little bit of arrogance to where you're like, I'm going to do it myself? Yeah, you know, you know, I do a lot of work with DISC. As you guys know, the DISC is an mm -hmm. assessment and DISC is D-I-S-C, but my wife says it's A-S-S. -S, and I'm like, that doesn't exist there, Mel, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think to answer two parts of your question, Greg, um, I probably wouldn't have listened to myself because I thought I knew everything, you know, when I was that age. Um, my son is going to be a lot more talented than I am. Um, he has had the benefit of being in learning and development and training for a long, long time. Um, you know, he sat on my knee, you know, as I did this Vistage practice, you know, for the last 12 years. Um, extremely talented. He's working on his master's degree right now. So he's doing a dual, dual kind of undergrad grad thing. Um, what I've told him the most is to slow down. And you guys have met him. You know, we, we all try to tell him, look, be a kid first, enjoy it. You, you'll have a lot of chance to you know, get there, but um, I'm seeing him start to slow down a little bit. Um, I think reality has set in for him with COVID last year. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, trying to get out and get a job and he's got, a, he's got a job working with a government think tank out of New York city. Really cool. And they got him before he graduated. So they know kind of what, what they got here, I think, you know, but um, you know, my, my one saying, and you guys have, heard me say this often is you know be quick but don't hurry mm -hmm. and uh my wife gives me the best advice all the time and she says if you worry about your clients and your members she said everything kind of falls into place she said when you start worrying about yourself it's when it doesn't fall into place and whenever i get a little bit out of out of sync a little bit i go back to you know my wife saying that and i kind of try to say it to my son too i said look just be grounded and everything will fall into place like it's supposed to so um, it's really cool watching him grow. I mean, you guys have, you guys have known him for how long? I mean, we've been doing the Vogel thing for, golly, um, six, seven years, almost eight yeah. years, probably. Yeah, probably. So and he's, he's going to be 22 years old here in May, guys. Yeah. I think incredible. I know. Isn't that awesome? Yes. So really, really cool just to see his growth and, um, golly, I mean, he, I think he's gotten to a point now where he calls and says, Hey dad, you got a minute. Can we talk? You know, I need your opinion on something. So I think I've gone from being the jerk dad, you don't know anything to, you know, there's some wisdom in those gray hairs, dad. Right. Help me process this issue is what he said the other day. That's wow. Vistage talking to him, isn't it? Vistage talk. Yeah. He's like, help me process this issue. I said, oh my God, happily. So <laughs> did you get out your flip chart and you started no, drawing the line? No, right? I'll never forget. You know, this is a lesson learned. You talk about it. He was in my office a long time ago and it's probably two years ago. And he looked at me and he said, hey, dad, I'm not your client. I'm your son. <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I never really thought about that. And that, that, that was huge impact. But I'm surprised you know, your rebuttal wasn't you're my number one client, right? I have a one. I mean, I have a one on one with him every month, you know, for, for about an hour and a half on a Saturday morning, which is awesome. And I really look forward to that time together. Well, Ken, for people that, that are listening that may not be familiar with Vistage, um, so Sammy and I have both been a part of your Vistage group. I'm still a member of your Vistage group. And for a very short, short explanation, it's a, there's two, there, there's a CEO group um, where CEOs from a variety of industries come together. And it's really almost a, a sounding board, a personal board of directors where you process issues. You bring in amazing speakers that talk about just a variety of different subjects that ultimately help us get better at what we do and how we can better help others. And Sammy and I have been a part of your key executive group, which has just been a, a tremendous benefit to our professional and personal lives. 
if there's one thing, Ken, that I had to drill down just to me personally, that I think I've learned the most from Vistage, and I could probably write a book about it, but I think the number one thing is asking questions and not jumping straight to solutions. And that yeah. kind of goes back to where I interrupted you in our conversation earlier um, with my two-part question, but kind of going back to your growth and you know, learning, going from a, a, a young guy that is really just starting to take off in your professional career. And as you'll share, you really had some, some pretty accelerated growth in terms of, of your, your professional well-being. How did you start really learning yourself? You weren't in a Vistage group to have yeah. mentors and other people to be able to coach you. Talk a little bit about how your professional growth occurred and how you learned to, to uh, really utilize a lot of the skills you teach today. Well, I think there's no substitution for hard work, Greg, number one. And, you know, I've been around you guys for a long time and, you know, I challenge people to outwork me. You know, I tell them, I challenge my son that he's like, dad, I'm not even going there. You know, but that's, that's, that, that's a characteristic of my generation. I'm a baby boomer, right? And we all just, we worked a zillion hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not, not that I'm winding down now, but, you know, I'll be an empty nester here with my daughter going to University of Hawaii here in a couple of months. But, um, you know, here, here's the shift for me. And there's a saying, it says, to know others is knowledge, to know, to know thyself is wisdom, right? And I think I was all on this knowing thyself when I first, you know, or started out, but it wasn't about knowledge, it really, or, or about wisdom, it was really just, it was about being selfish. And so I think I was selfish early in my career. Mm-hmm. And I had to have all the answers. The shift for me has been, I don't have to have all the answers, I have to have all the real good questions. And you guys know, I mean, I, I stick in the question. I'm like, no, that's not good enough. Sammy, I remember our last time we processed an issue for you. It was great. Like, no, come, what's the real question here, guys? What's the real, you know? So that that is a shift. Um, but that is an intentional shift, I think, Greg, that I, I do believe comes with time. I don't think you know that in, inherently when you come out as a 21-year-old, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so I think it's cool that my son has this opportunity to really kind of be involved with the Vistage group with, you know, we'll call them peers, but these people are, you know, some of them are 20 years older than he is, right? Yeah. So what a good, what a great opportunity, what a great opportunity for him. I'm, I'm, I'm real excited for him, but um, golly, you know, I think staying grounded, you know, I've had a lot of success, but my success is built on the shoulders of people that are a lot taller than I am. And I have to tell you that um, I, I've been able to Take, take, take for, you know, the longer part of my career. You know, now it's really time for me to give, give, give as this thing shifts a little bit. So that's been really cool for me to, to kind of recognize that. And you guys have probably seen a little bit of that in, in, in the work we've done. Yeah, there's been a shift for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the things I've always admired about you is your ability to have that continuous. It's not a hustle in that term that some people think it's like, that you don't stop and smell the roses because we've enjoyed many a, a rose smelling uh, throughout our time together. But yeah. it's the ability to, uh, to put in that work, to put in that time to make that impact. Uh, and most of the time that impact comes from the ability to, again, knowing who you're talking to, understanding who you're with and really uh, digging down and, and utilizing the skill set that you have to really pull out questions, concerns, comments, you know, just being able to really understand people. And so really that's, I think that's where a lot of what you mentioned from your first job 
really comes into play too, managing the people side, the business side, the marketing side, everything about it. So it's pretty unique to see somebody that's been doing that. But also we did notice, I mean, you, you have changed over the past couple of years for the better. I, I do believe so. So I, I think, I think a lot of people have noticed. They say change for the better. I mean, you've always, no, I, got better, it. So. Yeah, I, got it. I mean, I, I, honestly, uh, I think that um, I, I take this responsibility um, and I think about it all the time, because if you think about it, I, I'm really influencing behaviors of people and influencing behaviors of, of leaders. I get a chance to work with the leaders, you know, the few that work with the many. And, you know, one, one word misplaced or what have you could, could alter, you know, somebody says, well, should I fire this person? You know, I, I don't want to be responsible for that, but, you know, sometimes I have to provide that advice. Well, what are you looking at? So again, not my job to, and I have a saying, you guys have heard it. It's not my job to answer your questions. It's my job to question your answers, right? So what are you, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? What alternatives have you done? So again, I think there's a shift here from my younger Ken Stibler to my, to my sage Ken Stibler. I'm, I'm not going to use the word older, but you, you know what I mean? I like that. I, I believe in the, the phrase, the older the violin, the sweeter the music, and you're only old if you feel like you're old. Great. The, yeah, uh, honestly, I, I'll, I'll say this again. I mean, I'm very, very lucky because um, I'm in a, in a situation right now with my business and I can choose who I want to work with. I mean, I literally am at that point. Um, and I, life's too short. I mean, I, I hang out with some really cool people. You guys are two examples of it. And, um, you know, I, I met you through Vogel Alcove and the leader there, Karen Hughes. We just gave her her 10-year award, by the way, last week. Oh, cool. is, I know you probably do that. Awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I had a whole Go ahead. She, she came into my office and, and asked me to come into her office to so I could see it. She was so proud of it. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I had to hold back tears. I had to hold back tears. But here's the cool part about what she and I talked about. She's been a member for 10 years. I think she's only missed maybe five meetings in the 10 years. Maybe five. And I probably gave her a hard time about that. <laughs> but I, 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 think, I think she and I have maybe only missed maybe two one-on-one -on -one meetings during the course of a year, over a 10 year period. Right. And I asked her about that. I said, why do you think that we just continue to make this work for both of us? And she said, look, you know, you're an old dog. I'm an old dog too. And she said, look, you know, she says, you, you offer value. I, I can run stuff off of you. You're not going to sugarcoat stuff. She said, I just, I value the friendship. I value the advice, you know? And I, I said the same thing back to her. How cool, how cool is that? Huh? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and, Greg, I was, I was going to say is like for the people that don't know my former CEO and your, your current CEO, I, I think she's someone that we definitely need to get on on this podcast as well Absolutely. so that we can uh, share some insights too. Uh, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about that, um, really about, you know, mentorship or really just the people that you surround yourself with. And one of the, the chapters in the book that Sammy and I wrote, The Pursuit of Growth, we talk about the importance of having sounding boards and having people that you can go to for just what you said, Ken, the difficult questions, the tough questions. Um, and the people that you choose to surround yourself with have such a major impact on your life. And go, go back a little bit to you. So as you're kind of rising up in your career, who are some of the people or, or some of the, 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 uh, the infrastructure you surrounded yourself with? You know, you mentioned earlier that you've had a lot of, of, of people that have supported you on the way. You know, share a little bit about what that looked like. Well, first of all, let me give a shout out to my dad. My dad's 90 years old. He's still living down in South Florida. 
you know, he's at the tail end of his life, you know, and he's had a friend of mine had a baby last week. And so, you know, life works that way. You know, yeah. pe people go through this process and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going through it too, but my dad has probably had the most, most influence on me and my mom as well. I mean, both my parents were teachers, you know, back in the day, there wasn't a lot of money for teachers. And so my parents gave me books and they said, be curious. And everywhere we went, they made us try new foods. And, and so I got a, a call from my son the other day. He said, dad, I'm trying new foods now when this is a kid would not try anything, by the way. Uh -huh. So kind of cool to hear him say that. But my parents, first of all, had, had the biggest influence on me. And then I had a couple of, couple of folks along the way um, that were able to influence in me. And they were my bosses that um, you know, had the courage to sit down and tell me, look, let me just, let me be honest with you. No, yay, what have you. Um, I, 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 had a, I have a coach still, but one of my first coaches was very candid with me and said, Ken, you're one of the most brilliant people I know. And she said, but I have to tell you, nobody wants to work with you. So how would you like to get that kind of feedback? You know, when yeah, you, that's when pretty, you're that's pretty, that's pretty blunt and straightforward, isn't it? Oh, golly. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what are you talking about? I thought everybody wanted to work with me. She said, man, you are so far over your skis. She said, you just push. And she said, slow down, slow down. And that was kind of the first dose of reality for me. Um, and I don't, I've never forgotten that story. I can tell you exactly where it happened, you know, and when it happened and how old I was and the whole bit. So I think there's been people along the way that have really um, contributed to, um, you know, my maturing, my looking at things a little differently. Um, I think the Vistage organization has just been fantastic. Um, as a speaker, you know, I get a chance to walk all around the country and talk to CEOs and, and other chairs that truly want to learn, that are interested in what I have to say and are willing to challenge my thinking on it. So that's forced me to have to really, you know, kind of sharpen my pencil here. And, a and bit. to show up, right? Yeah, and, 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 and you, you hear me say, show up all the time. I'll tell you a fun story that happened to me recently. It wasn't so fun at the time. It happened this year. So I spoke in Cincinnati, Ohio. And it was early February and it was cold. We were speaking in the basement of a church. And it was like 20 degrees. I think there was icicles on my, on my mustache. I was cold. I think I gave the speech in my jacket. And when we got done, I mean, the environment was terrible. The acoustics were bad. And the chair said to me, you know what? Bad presentation, Stibler. I'm saying, well, how much of this do you own? Right? And that would have been my first reaction. Right. I was coming up to work with this woman in March. So she calls me back up and she said, I didn't like the presentation at all. The same presentation I'd gotten a standing ovation on literally two weeks prior. She doesn't like it. So I have a really cool article called The Humility of the Artist by Seth Godin. I'll tell you about that later. But so I looked at this and I wanted to say to this woman, you know what the hell with you? Take my stuff. And this, I'm not going to change. But I got mad. And I went back and literally for a month, I got all current data. I got new research from Pew Research, from Gallup, from Deloitte, from PricewaterhouseCooper. I changed the entire thing. Came back, and what do you think happened because of that little exercise? Well, I'm going to guess you probably delivered a pretty amazing presentation. Awesome. It was awesome. It was the first time I had done it with the new material. 
but I was confident in it. You know, I'm, I, I live in this stuff and it was awesome. But what it did was it forced me who I thought I had all the answers. And I'd done that same presentation a zillion times to make an adjustment, make a change. And I went back and, and I think I was better coming back, making the adjustments. So what's, what's the takeaway there, right? You got to constantly be learning. You got to constantly be changing, you know, be relevant. Um, I felt good about the changes. You know, Ken, that, that made me think of something. And Sammy, I'm, I'm jumping a little ahead and I'm, I'm, I'm hogging some questions. So this will be my last one. And I want to let you throw a few, uh, throw a few out there. But Ken, that got me thinking, I don't speak as often as you do, um, but I speak often about Vogel Alcove, the charity that I represent. And I think a difference is because I represent a charity, it can be a challenge for me to get really good constructive feedback from the groups that I present to because they want to be so grateful for the work that we're doing and, and they want to be very supportive. But it really helps me to be able to understand, you know, where I can get better. So I've really had to dig deep to ask people to, to share, how can I get better? How can I do a better job of really engaging the group? And that's been very hard for me. I think it's hard for anyone to get criticism, especially when you feel like you're putting your good work in. But the, the lesson from that is exactly what you've said. My presentation over the last five, three, two years, I think just continues to get better yes. because I'm forcing myself to ask people, hey, tell me what I said that resonated and was there a part of my presentation that maybe you tuned out on or maybe that you thought was a little too overwhelming? And just being able to get that feedback consistently, it's a hard thing for us to do in all aspects of our life is to accept criticism. But if you can get to the point where you become comfortable taking criticism, I feel like it's a superpower. Feedback, is a, feedback is a gift, Greg. You know, we talk about that all the time. And you got to be able to understand when people are, you know, you got to understand who is giving criticism that you should, you should take as opposed to people just giving opinions. But um, I think for the most part, you can make that, you can make that determination fairly seamlessly. Well, here's what's interesting. If you go back, I mean, we're sitting here March, you know, today is uh, March 31. So it was a year ago, March 13th for me is when COVID hit, right? I was speaking in University of Tennessee and we're supposed to have 400 people show up and 20 people show up. And I'm like, you, you gotta be kidding me on this. So that day I changed what generation I was part of, right? So I talk about generational differences. I'm a boomer, but that day I became a Zoomer because I, I couldn't even spell Zoom. And all of a sudden now I'm delivering everything through Zoom. Now, doing it through a Zoom environment and doing it in person, very different skills and what have you. So this is a shout out just to everybody that's doing this work and having to present online. You can actually get a certified virtual presentation you know, designation. So it's called Certified Virtual Presenter. And uh, it's, it's relatively inexpensive. I would highly recommend it to everybody take a look at that. Um, I don't make any money on the plug, but uh, worth, worth going through the, you know, the half-day course and, and getting a Certified Virtual Presen, you know, Presenter certification. You know, that's something that, that I wanted to touch on a little bit more, the different groups you've been a part of. And so I want to kind of transition the conversation over to some working with businesses of like a variety of businesses, right? Different industries, different levels, you know, some startups, some like well-oiled machines. Uh, but I want to talk about those challenges you face in when you're working with those leaders. So maybe let's start with something like something small, a smaller company where you feel like you face some challenges and were able to impact change and then something a little bit bigger from everything from like, culture, you know, or the technology side of self and, and the people. 
Well, so first thing I'll tell you is that employees do not come with a manual. Whether you are a the big company or a small company, I can't go to page six and say, there, there's Greg Brinkley. That's exactly how we're going to deal with him. And oh, Sammy Gonzalez, he's on page 14. So, you know, and so it's different in every single environment. And, you know, as you guys know, I'm certified with Gallup and I read constantly. And, and so I've got a really cool program. I've got 27 companies that uh, have won top 100 best places to work award. The unique part about that whole presentation I do is it's every one of the companies won the award, everyone has lost it. It's really about the changes that the employee, that the CEOs made in themselves. And so for, for me, you know, it, I have a quote I give in every presentation and, and I start, it starts with a question. And I'll be in an audience and I'll ask the question, how many people want to grow their company this year? Well, who do you think raises their hand? Well, I get the whole audience to raise their hand. I'm like, well, how are you going to do that? So my quote is this, and this has been a big shift for me. If you grow the people, it's the people that will grow your company. So this comes back to the word nurturing. What are you doing to nurture the growth of the employees? Well, this has really been challenging for a lot of CEOs with COVID, right? Because we're not used to it. It's not a normal environment. Um, Gallup came out and they measured two things, collaboration and innovation. And both those scores are really way down. But it's the, it's the CEOs, and I say that CEO stands for chief experience officer, right? And so what, what's the experience you're creating? Um, if I come into Vogel, Vogel has a, has a pretty cool experience, you know? And um, so first of all, I think it starts with the employees. You got to focus on the employee and the employee experience. And every company I go into, whether it's big, small, whatever, that's what we work on. And I think that's a secret, secret um, lever for a lot of companies. Because literally, if you ask companies how they want to grow, there's one of two ways. I'm going to go get a new customer or I got, a, I got existing customers. I'm going to sell my stuff, more stuff too. What if we got our employees to really be engaged, like 60% or 70% engagement? That becomes a really interesting lever for, for, for leaders and businesses. So how do you do it? You nurture. You got to grow. You got to put training. And training takes time. And I, I, told, I told, well, I'll tell you this in two stories. Working with a CEO literally about two weeks ago, he says to me in our one-on-one, -on -one, can you go deal with my employee? I said, deal with your employees. I said, I'm a, little, I'm a little not clear on that. What do you mean by deal? You mean go coach, train, develop that deal? He said, yeah, go deal with them. I'm like, yeah. Because you see coaching, developing, and nurturing takes work. It takes work. It's being intentional. Um, but I will just tell you, if you want to be a really, really good leader, man, you got to work at it. You got to work at it every day. And um, so I don't know if I, I answered it a couple of different ways, Sammy, but hopefully I was able to kind of nail that big or small. I don't know. It, it's the same thing. I think it's about the employees, big or small companies. And so, yeah, exactly. You, you definitely, you know, there is no right or wrong answer, but the experience that you bring to it is, yeah, and the insight that you bring from your many years uh, is, is crucial. And I think a lot of people take a lot out of what you just mentioned there. Tell me about a unique experience that you've had with a company, be it a company in a strange industry, or um, maybe the first time you stepped into something and you thought, what have I gotten myself into? Well, I say that a lot. <laughs> myself into, but you know, I mean, so I'm, 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 I'm an influencer. So I influence behavior. Um, I can tell you a couple of really, really fun ones where, um, you know, I've had, 
Well, here's what I'll tell you. My, my largest customer is General Plastics. They're a large manufacturing company in Tacoma, Washington. And I go there quite often, every month, pre-COVID. We're getting ready to jumpstart that because Seattle's starting to come out of this. Hmm. And we were, we were in the room um, early last year in January. And I use an instrument called Strength Finders. Both of you guys have taken Strength Finders with me. That is uh, the Clifton Strength Finders. It's a Gallup uh, product. And um, we got in the room and we asked this one gentleman, we said, you know, no name, but we said, could you explain to us, you know, the strategic direction of what we're doing with this plant number one? And he got up and he really struggled. And he really struggled. And when I started looking at the natural strengths and what this guy could do, he could not do strategy. Strategy was not a strength for him. However, we looked at the same team grid and, and we looked and we saw that another gentleman, same team, had all strategy. So we said to him, could you stand up and tell us about the direction for the plant, multiple plants? This guy got up and just knocked it out of the park. And so the, the key learning here is the one guy, very talented, been with the company for 15 years. It wasn't his natural skill to get up and just talk about that. Or the other guy, it was the natural skill. So we used some, auto, you know, some intelligence that we did to be able to you know, kind of provide really interesting information and feedback and perspective to the company based on data you know, that we had gotten, but it was people data. And a lot of times we, we write that off, but um, I remember that the CEO of the company, when we got done said to me, he said, you know, what the hell happened there? And I said, you got the wrong guy in the wrong seat here. They did. So literally I came back the next month and both of these guys said to me, Ken, did you have anything to do with this, this move? And I said, yeah. He's like, thank God. He said, I'm in a good spot now. The other guy said, Ken, did you have anything to do with this? I said, yeah. He's like, thank God. He said, I'm in a spot. Where I can absolutely just, you know, just kick it out of the park. So fun environment where, you know, I didn't have the answers, but I, I was curious enough to look at the data and share it. It was just, it was a, it was a win, win, win all the way around. Uh, and actually made me look kind of smart, which was kind of cool, you know, because <laughs> sometimes you take risks in those rooms and you don't know. Um, I've taken some risks that have backfired on me, you know, in companies that seem to, you know, have all the answers. I had a company I worked with here in Dallas for a long time and, you know, it got to the point where, you know, they got lazy and, you know, I'm in there once a month and it became the, you know, the, the dog and pony show. What are you, you know, what are you doing for us this month? And, uh, and so that was good. So that didn't, that, you know, we, I'm still, work, we're still working with the company, but, you know, I've, I've changed my engagement with it, but, you know, Honestly, I think if, you know, I said this to you earlier, if you focus on the employees, I think, I think everything works out. And, that, and that's really where I've just shifted. What am I doing to nurture the employees of the companies? Ken, that goes into my next question. Um, I was a part of a conversation maybe a week ago about, you know, as fast as the world is changing and with new technology, with challenges, with just this hurricane of variables, what are the biggest challenges that businesses are facing? And you know what my answer was? I think it goes back to the same challenge that we've always had. It's people. It's just what you've yeah. been saying. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't say it quite the way that you did, but I think the, the Vistage model that I've been a part of has really helped me understand how important culture and people are. And that's something that Sammy, myself, and you have spent the last couple of years really learning a lot about culture. I know you've, you've spoken on the importance of culture and my question is going to come here in a second, but I wanted to, to um, preface this with saying, and actually you may know this answer, so it's actually another two-part question for you, 
But according to Gallup, currently, what is the employee engagement figure of employees that are currently feel like they're actively engaged in their job? Yeah, so good question, Greg. That's a softball for me, as you know. So yeah, I, speak I, know. On, I speak on this topic. So, so they measure really three areas, you know, actively engaged, you know, actively disengaged, and then that middle section, they're just kind of in the middle. Um, the, so the engagement score with Gallup right now is, is, is around 30%. Okay, that's it's what out, I was thinking 33%, but it's 30%, yeah. okay. It, it, it got lowered a little bit with COVID. And we had some social issues that took place in the summer. And so there was some isolation. There was some division of our country. I mean, there's a variety of different things. We had the, you know, the political election. And so there were some things that I think that broke apart um, you know, our, our country. It wasn't unified. Um, you also have six generations in the workforce now. Uh, you've got the newest generation that have been bypassed, but it's called Generation Alpha, you know, two to, two to 13 years old. And, you know, you say, well, 13-year-old, what do you mean? Well, a 13-year-old will be 15 in two years. They have buying power. So they've identified them as a generation. Very possible you have these six generations. But the answer is 33% that are engaged. So my argument and with the work I do with companies is if I can go into a company and we can, through experiences that we create, chief experience officer, get that engagement level to go from 33, you know, 30% up to the 60 plus, 61, 62, that's considered best of class, according to Gallup. Okay. On the surface, you say, well, that shouldn't be so, so difficult. And it's a lot more difficult than you think. I think true change takes between 18 and 24 months, but that's the, that, that can be measured in businesses. But if we can get that there, then you're considered best of class. You have an engaged workforce and off we go. But Greg, you've heard me do this in our own Vistage groups. If I come into your company and I ask 10 employees or 40 employees or 100 employees to write down their definition of engagement, how many definitions do I get? Yeah, you're going to get 40 different definitions if there's yeah. 40 employees. Exactly. So that's the first exercise we do with every company is, all right, let's get a common language there. Are we engaged? Does it mean the same thing for you at 30 that does for you at 40, you at 50, you at 60? So, you know, on the surface, easy exercise, but not so much, right? Yeah, it's just, I guess that's the, the, the biggest challenge is, you know, so many people that I know about, they're overwhelmed with victim mentality, with complaining, with just constantly looking at the negative side of whether it's their life, their business, always looking to blame others, life is unfair. I mean, yeah. our culture has just been indoctrinated with victim mentality. And so while I absolutely agree that, that especially in a business setting, the I like how you say the chief experience officers got to set the tone, right? Got to set that. But I just wonder, I mean, how do you, when you've got a workforce bringing all this baggage in from their lives, even on a bigger scale, do you see, do you see other ways that we can tap into changing people's mindsets on how they yeah. approach work, how they approach life? Just any general thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. I mean, so, uh, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I ask this question all the time. You've heard me. What's the difference between coaching and therapy? You know, so my non-clinical definition is therapy looks backwards. I think coaching looks forward. So the work I do with everybody that's leading anybody is go coach your people forward. Go nurture that growth. Find out, and you know, Strength Finders is a good tool. There's a lot of tools out there, but go find out what you have to do to get that person to move from here to here. And that requires work. Requires you have to sit down and say to somebody, you know, what's working? What do you want to learn? How do we move it forward? 
you know, some tough questions, but you gotta, you gotta show up to do that. You know? And, um, so, so I tell people all that go coach your business forward. Um, and if everybody started doing that, you'd, you'd have a bunch of people saying, come on, come follow me. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. We're not looking backwards. I'm not getting in the, in the pity party. I'm saying, okay, how do I grow? How do I create the new experience? What I really think is really interesting is if you take a look at what's happening right now. So, so I think Dallas is in the forefront of this. You know, I was in Sacramento about two weeks ago and they're still closed. And so I mean, the restaurants are closed and the economy is basically shut down there. Texas, we're cool. I mean, we're in a pretty nice spot here. But, but I think what you see, you're going to see it just, you know, we, we, we took a step back, but you're going to see us take four steps forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good microcosm of that is Vistage. Guys, if you take a look at the Vistage companies, almost every one of our members in our groups, they have had a really banner year. Why is that? Because we had, we had a whole bunch of a tribe to learn from. Mm-hmm. That group wasn't going to let anybody fail. Mm-hmm. We all said, let's go. We're going to pick you up. Go find joy in what you're doing. And so that peer thing, I mean, you know, Greg, you've been part of this group for a while. So you too, Sammy. I don't think there's a single thing that anybody in that group wouldn't do for another person there. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, so I think our group looks forward. I don't think our group looks backwards. I mean, there hasn't been too many pity parties there. No. You know? Pretty cool, that's, isn't it? That's, that's a difference. I'm telling you. And I, you know, I mean, I'll take part of the credit on that, but I, I just try to lead the thing and say, go, let's go. Let me don't get in the way here is really what I try not to do, to be honest with you. Yeah, when you do go into a company, maybe there's an established company or it's, it's you know, just a group that you've been a part of or being asked to be a part of. What are some of those identified skill sets or things that people need to work on that might be seen as a blind spot? You know, what are some of the blind spots you're seeing just kind of across the industry, across the board? Well, first thing I do is, you know, I, I have a whole thing I talk about. And it's like, what are the top three priorities of the business? So I like to take the leadership team and get them to give me their answers and then take the company and do that with the, with the, with the, the staff. And most of the time you have a, this disconnect or misalignment, as I call it. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things that you can do definitionally. Let's get a common definition of what, you know, um, alignment might be or what high performing team might be or what engagement might be or what empowerment might be. And it becomes difficult for leadership because you do have multiple generations. You do have multiple gender, you know, gender, um, possibly have multiple languages, depending upon where you are. Right. And I work, I work overseas. But if you can get this leadership language right, and, and here's what I mean by that. So I'm in New Orleans on a regular basis. Um, shout out to my friends down there at Creole Cuisine Concepts, the Mari family, the three brothers. Um, they're rock stars. But when you go down to New Orleans and you're in the French Quarter there, you hear jazz both you guys both you guys are musicians so you can appreciate this there's this thing called rhythm that shows up and it shows up in new orleans specifically you know you get this rhythm well when i'm in a company whether it's a manufacturing company or whatever in general plastics in tacoma is the best example walking through the plant floor the ceo mitch johnson looks at me he says are you listening to that i said yeah he says what do you hear I said, I hear the stamp of the machine. He says, oh, hell no. He says, that's the stamp of me printing money, Ken. And he said, when that, when that stamp doesn't know, he says, I know I got some problems. Yeah. Well, same thing, I think, when I come into companies. If you start listening to the leadership and the words they're saying, you know, are you hearing 
hey, are we aligned on this? You know, are we clear on the priorities? You know, and, and if you listen to the right words, are you empowered? Um, if you listen to that rhythm that shows up in the, in the leadership language, uh, it's really telling. What, what's been one of the, the biggest takeaways or maybe a couple of takeaways you've taken that you had that light bulb moment when you talked to somebody like you know, that you learned from a CEO or you learned from a group? Well, I got one real good one. Um, never forget this one. So I actually was coaching somebody and I, I used this term and I said, I know how you feel. I looked at me right in the eye and said, you have no idea how I feel. You have no idea how, you, how I feel. And he was right, you know. I thought it was the right thing to say. He says, you have not mm -hmm. had this happen to you. You've not been in the same situation. You have no idea how I feel. And that's one of those moments you don't forget. And I don't use that anymore. Now, um, I, had, I had COVID in December, knock on wood. If somebody else tells me they had COVID, I might say, you know, I know how you feel. I think, because I didn't have any respiratory problems, so you might've, but we both had COVID. So um, yeah, I understand maybe how you feel a little bit but I am very careful not to use those words. That's probably one of the biggest takeaways of my entire career. Can I have a question specifically about the CEOs that you work with? And uh, again, CEOs are just like any other people. They have different yeah. personalities, um, different strengths, different weaknesses, different, um, I mean, just across the board. However, I think without uh, overgeneralizing, many CEOs, I think it's safe to say, can be, very, very proud of their ego. They can be very type D in terms of, this is my direction. You're not gonna get in my way and you're not gonna change my opinion on something because I've made my, I've made my decision. I'm gonna go forward with it. I'll just say it this way. They can sometimes be a difficult group to influence and they sometimes can have blinders up. How do you successfully build those relationships to where these individuals that may not be as open to listen to other people will listen to you. Ali, I mean, really good question. Um, well, you know, and I've had other other friends of mine tell me this. They said, "Look, Stiller, you've been a CEO, so I can come in from a peer perspective and say, hold on, I've sat in the chair, I understand what it means to have a board, I understand what it means to have to be clear about you know you know expectations and you know growth and what have you. So I've got a little advantage on that one, Greg." Um, you know, I've had some of my other folks I've tried to help get into different coaching. They're like, look, Ken, you've been a CEO. I haven't been. So that's one thing. But the second thing is the, the biggest change for me. Again, and I, I, I mentioned this already. When I first started with Vistage, I thought I had to have all the answers. I thought everybody came to me because, oh, man, Stibler, you're this great guy. And you, you know all this stuff. And that's been just a 360 for me. I, I, I find I, I'm asking the questions i have to have the really good questions like really like uh, how much of that do you own and have you looked at any other alternatives or what do you want the outcome to be or so i have to show up differently not as the guy that knows it all but the guy that has the real good questions yeah so i think greg when you start doing that with ceos and i did this with a gentleman recently i said well what do you want to learn this year and that's a really good question i don't know i said if we were to go back and we're high-fiving, what do you want to accomplish this year with your company? He said, that's a good question too. I don't really know what that is either. So when I get the, hey, that's a good question. I know I'm kind of scratching on the right spot on that one, you know? I like that. Absolutely. The, uh, I'm going to write and that it's down. fun. I mean, you guys, so Karen Hughes is a good one to stump on that one, right? The, the, the CEO of Vogel. 
because she's a smart son of a gun. She's talented and I absolutely admire her, but it's good when I can stump her. And she's like, you know, Stibler, that's a good one. I like that. So yeah, it's know, a good I laugh sometimes because my CEO is in your, uh, your CEO coaching group. And we often have the same speakers that will come and visit. And, uh, you know, I'll share, this was our group's experience with the speaker and what we got from it. And she'll laugh sometimes and be like, man, our group just sat and just tried to pick that poor person apart because oh. their mentality is just to just try to always almost kind of oh. up and elevate themselves. And so there, there is just a different mindset where I think a lot of times executives may be more apt to your point, Ken, to be trying to learn where sometimes CEOs or people that are running their own business can I think, plateau and they've got yeah. to have people to push them past that plateau. And I think that's to their credit though, while they're, why they get in a group like Vistage to be yeah. able to have people like yourselves push them on that. So that, that's an example that I've just experienced that I think is really cool. Well, so you know this, I mean, when we have new people come in our group, we ask them, what's the first thing that you noticed about the group? And what do they tell us all the time? Trust. Trust, right. So the cool part about my CEO group today is I've got a lot of folks that have been in it for a long time. And so the veterans model some behavior, but I do too. I'm not afraid to cry. I'm an emotional guy. Um, so I'll model that. I'm not afraid to put it out there. And that's a change too. I probably never did that in the past. So our group cries, but our group doesn't leave anybody behind. We lift everybody up. It's a safe environment, but we're not afraid to say, hey, look, I don't like the color of the shirt today, mm -hmm. right? but it's safe. And uh, I mean, the, the group, <laughs> the, the group has, when they're together without the speakers and all putting on the show, they're actually fairly, you know, humble. Um, they do want to learn. That's why they're there. Uh, re really cool thing for me. Like we had a speaker last month, Greg, as you know, I mean, there wasn't a single seat open in the room. We had 25 people in the room. That's awesome. I yeah. showed up. I think everybody wanted to get out finally, you know, with COVID and everything, but yeah, everybody showed up. We, we, you know, we still had a couple that were, you know, out of town that we did, you know, through an owl pro setup I have, you know, of a virtual, but um, I mean, they want to come back. They want to get, they want to connect. Um, and, and I got a really good group. I, I, I feel very blessed. Now that transition that we all made a year ago, you know, hell a year ago this time, you know, we're all going through the, the biggest push of it to that work from home, work remote, you know, office, hoteling, whatever it may be. Uh, I think a lot of people that entered the workforce were already asking for more collaborative nature. You know, they were, they were really enjoying being in an office environment. I have a friend that hires a lot of people for his business. And he said that the young people are looking to their jobs to also fulfill that need for commonality and bonding. And when COVID yeah. happened, it just broke that like people, you know, so, so my question is, or I guess maybe just get some feedback from you is what did you see when we took that downturn and, and, you know, to working more remotely, being more spread out, learning to communicate via like zoom and, and other uh, online media, but then like, what are you starting to see now as we've come out of that? What are some of those lessons takeaways that you've seen that have been really impactful? Well, first of all, there's two really, really good articles out there. Uh, one is on by Microsoft. It's called the 2021 Work Trend Index, the next great disruption, this hybrid work environment. And the other one is a report by PricewaterhouseCooper, um, also about 2021, you know, this new environment that we're in. Um, and those are articles that, you know, I give out to my members. So there's some value add there. But um, 
for me, go back to the experience. I think we're, this hybrid model is here to stay, without a doubt. Um, how you administer that's going to be very different. When you talk to a, you know, a bo baby boomer like myself, you know, my whole, I grew up saying, if you're not in your seat, you're not working, right? However, you know, it's been proven that people can work, you know, outside. So I just think it's about clarity. You got to be real crystal clear about what you expect. Um, you still got to nurture. You, um, I've always said you got to have small teams. And so have people that are in a dispersed workforce. I don't care whether you're in Ohio, North Carolina, and California, but give them a voice in the room, hold them accountable, but empower them to do, do stuff. Um, and where that comes from is not necessarily the leadership of the company, not the CEO. It's that next level leader. That's where I'm recommending that companies spend their time, their money, their effort, because it's those next level leaders that are really coaching, nurturing, growing that frontline leader. And that's really where the rubber hits the road with the customer experience and what have you. So that's where I'm telling people that you need to focus. Um, I think we took a, two steps back. I think we're getting ready to take five steps forward. There's going to be such a crush on employees, good employees, um, on culture, because now if I don't like what you're doing and I'm living in Dallas, I can go work for a California company or a Seattle company. Why? Because now it's acceptable to do this this way. So I think it puts a hell of a lot of pressure on leadership to create really, really cool cultures, which for me is right in my sweet spot. So I, so I like what's happening right now, you know? Absolutely. That's, kind of my, that's kind of my view. So Ken, earlier in the conversation, you said something that's really aligned with everything that you've said since. And that is years ago, you had kind of a, a change, a 180, you might say, in terms of really focusing on selflessness and nurturing other people. What was the catalyst for that? And why wow. do you think that's so important? Well, there's a couple of different stories. Um, I'll just tell you the most recent one that I, I remember. So I've been fortunate to win you know, a number of this is just top awards for, for performance. It's the members that make that members that make that happen. I mean, and I remember my wife telling me one time, she said, you know, she said, you're gonna look up and she said, we're gonna be gone one day. Your kids are gonna be gone. And I, I think it was maybe like two months later, I, I was in my office and you know, I came out of my office and there was nobody home. They had gone out to dinner without me. They had gone out to dinner without me. And it was a little thing, but I remember coming back out and I wasn't, I wasn't mad. I was perplexed, but it hit me. And it was my wife's words saying, you know, you're going to wake up one day and we're going to be gone. And I made a shift that day because my kids were, you know, teenagers and I wanted to make sure I was part of what they were doing. So I wound up going from seven Vistas groups to two Vistas groups. And nobody really knew that. And this is the first time I'm telling anybody that. I don't even think I told you guys this. No. No. And so that was the, that was the impetus there. And, um, you know, I let my kids, you know, I, I took the summers off because I always take July off and you know, I made sure we, we went places and had good experiences and I made them put the trips together and um, really, really cool. So I, I was able to spend time with my kids and uh, the time I could never get back. This time I never could get back. And, you know, it's, um, so that was one, probably one thing. Um, Golly, um, most recently, um, in I was out a year ago. I was out in um, 
San Diego for the Vistage International Conference. And there was a speaker there and he's actually a sculptor. His name is Gary Lee Price. He's out of Salt Lake City. And he does this sculpt, this piece called The Ascent. And it's two people, one helping the other one up. You guys have seen this. I put it on the back of some of the books. And so when I speak, I end every, every presentation with this now. Because he was out there and I had a chance to talk to him my age. So it was kind of cool, two old guys talking to each other. And um, that piece with the two hands is getting ready to become a statue on the West Coast. It can be called the Statue of Responsibility. You can go look this up. But if you look at it, it's one man helping another man up. And I remember as a young guy, I was that young man on the bottom of that saying, help me up, help me up. Right. And I was the one that was reaching up. And I'm not that young guy anymore. I'm the old guy on the top of this thing. And I'm not an old guy, but I'm the guy on the top that has an opportunity to reach down and grab somebody and lift them up. And if you take a look at the words of this, I mean, it's really awesome. It says, look at my eyes. My spirit cries out to you. And if I can reach down and lift you up, you'll reach down and lift a thousand more. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think whatever I've said today, that's the one message I want everybody to know is look, a lot of us are still hurting out there. Go find somebody and lift them up. Um, that's been just a big shift. Um, and it's had very much um, influence on really how I've looked at things, how I speak, um, you know, how I'm positioned, frankly. Yeah, Ken, I, 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 I relate with so much of what you said. And, and, and I can share that when you share, when you told the story about your family going to dinner, I literally got chills when you mm -hmm. said that. And, yeah. and the decisions that you made afterwards, you know, in, in, in the book that, that Sammy and I wrote, I shared a lot about how for a, a large part of my life, the focus is on me. And it's amazing the destruction that that does when you become the spotlight in your life. And we actually have a chapter in our book that's all about love and service and how you are using your life to better other people. And in fact, I tell people, and this comes from my faith. The most selfish thing you can really do is prioritize helping other people because the feeling that you will get in return is on par with any drug that you'll ever take. If you do it consistently, you make it a part of your life. And that's been something that I've loved with Vistage and, and with you and the message that you share, that that's not something that just happens in our personal lives. That's something that needs to be enforced in our professional lives, whether we're the rookie in the company, we're the CEO, we're the, we're the next level leader. We're all leaders and we all have the ability to serve. And what a way to build culture, what a way to build experience if that's what you're doing. Love it. Guys, I got to get going. I got guests at my house here, unfortunately. They're, they're starting to yell. <laughs> I, know when I, I know when I get the hook from my wife. Uh, I've been married 27 years for a reason. Just so you know, and you guys know my family. Yeah. So, uh, Love what, it, uh, what do you want me to say to wrap this thing up? I've really enjoyed chatting with you guys. I hope you bring me back. Yeah, definitely. Let's, Greg, let's run through our, our uh, top three things real quick, just because it's a, a tradition here. Um, yeah. You can you can probably see my light blinking too. That's that means it's about time here yeah. too. So, my thing is uh, number one, uh, top three takeaways, and I'll start. There's. I think everyone will see this and then really, really understand that you're just glowing with pride in your family, the oh, yeah. old and the young. And I think that that's a great something to take away is like, 
invest in your family, invest your time with family and use it wisely. Yep. Uh, number two is nurture. Uh, what are you doing to nurture your relationship and your people? Uh, relationships and people just in, in general in business and, and outside. Um, and then the last uh, one that I'll share is that uh, just, it's one of my favorite things. It's ask questions. Um, and, you know, it's ask as many questions as you want. I've been in the opportunity to be a new employee a couple of times since you've known me. And that's what I love to do is just ask questions. So those are my top three takeaways of our, of our meeting tonight. I'll jump in. I think curiosity is a really good skill, Sammy, as you know. Be curious, right? Ask the questions. So, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Ken, that jumps into my three takeaways. I love be curious. And I'm telling people, if you can adapt that into a habit of your everyday life, the advantages that you'll receive are unlimited. Two, I'm going to piggyback again on something you said, Sammy. We do this often, but I like the quote you said, Ken, is I'm not here to answer your questions. I'm here to question your answers. And that's something that if we can take that and apply it again in all aspects of our lives, the benefits we'll receive are incredible. And then Ken, I love the fact that you talked about in terms of our professional world, that the biggest influencers are most likely your next level leaders. The yeah, CEO sure. starts it, but really it's the empowerment of those next level leaders that can influence so many people and Guys. what a change we can make. This is the this is the guest. This is my, yes. my is this is this Mr. Hawaii? Stephanie, yeah. You guys, yeah. So, we, so I know Tiffany. Yes. So yes. I have to tell you one thing. When my mom, when I was looking at colleges, my mom told me, she goes, You should apply to the University of Hawaii because you'll never have a better experience. And you know what I said? I didn't want to go that far away from home. Uh, um, I admire her. I really do I admire her. I was trying to get to Germany, so yeah. nine hours. <laughs> Hey. Well, Tiffany, I have one question for you. So it can't be school related, but tell me the one thing that you're most excited about, about living in Hawaii. First of all, it wouldn't be school related anyway. <laughs> Second of all, probably all the hikes. Hikes. All the ridge hikes and stuff like that. Love That's it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations, yeah. Tiffany. Thank you. All right. Dinner is served for me, guys. So I'm being... Oh, it's in 10 minutes. No, ten, I got 10 minutes. In 10 minutes. Uh, I'll do outside. Good. You got, Ken, you, got two more, you got two minutes, guys. Ken, this was awesome. Thank you so much for the time tonight, the uh, the takeaways, the the actionable tips, and and this was just so much fun, and, and you shared stories that I never heard before. Right. Yeah. Really, really cool. I mean, uh, let me just say this. We're going to end on bourbon stories, right? So, you yeah, know, I'll talk some bourbon real quick. I, I've had Sammy at my house. You know, you, you bailed out on us or whatever it was, but, uh, you know, because you guys have been such great hosts today, I'm going to offer you an opportunity to come to my double wide trailer that I live in. Okay. Only, only kidding. Right. The Stibler double wide. Um, no, really. Uh, come on over, Greg. Let's go bring it on. Let's do it. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how I grabbed this bottle of Blanton's. Yeah, nice. And, uh, I tell you what, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to sip on a few bourbons that I've not come across yet in my life. And I've seen that stash that you're collecting. So I might try to twist your arm a little bit and see if we can open a few of them. Well, you know what? Uh, my wife told me it's the stupidest hobby ever because I had no bottles open and now I probably have 50 bottles open. So you're welcome to anything you want. Just let's bring it over. So here's our, here's our promise to you. Number or, or you make a promise and we'll make a promise to you. So the yeah. promise is that you'll come back on our show. 
I'll do that for sure. All right. So our promise to you is that we will do it from your house drinking your bourbon. I'm okay with that. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. Deal. All right. Okay. Well, with that, boys and girls, Ken Stiller, thank you. We'll see you guys you next week. Take it easy. Thank you. All right. See ya. Bye. And with that, he is gone. That we is, got it. We, we got him going. And, uh, and you know, I, I think one of the great things that Ken, we'll, we'll, I'm going to keep this recording going a little bit, even though he's gone right now, is that as, as you and the audience can tell, and, and as we've known for a long time, that guy's got a wealth of information, a wealth of experience, a wealth of knowledge that just passes down. Like I, I my face hurts from smiling and, and thinking so much um, because I think he just passes on a lot of good wisdom. And we only scratched the surface. I, mean, I was going to say, we just barely, barely touched it. Yeah, well, and, and I thought we did a fantastic uh, a job of really getting to some of the things that he's never shared with us before because we've known him for, you know, seven, eight years now, too. So uh, I hope the audience really gets a lot out of that, too. So everyone watching there, too, he didn't get a chance to do his shameless plug, uh, but I'll do it uh, for him and I'll put it in the show notes and I'll, I'll list it all out uh, on the YouTube channel. Because if you're looking for somebody like Ken, if you're looking for someone to make that next step in your career, or you're looking to um, grow as a person, as a family member, as whatever it is, I think he can offer you a lot of the, the, the support that you would need. And then also he'll help you find the groups that you need to. So his, uh, his website, I'll list it. Um, I believe it's kensibler.com, but I'll, I'll double check. And then he's part of the organization called Vistage, which is V-I-S-T-A-G-E.com, Vistage.com which has been probably one of the most beneficial organizations that I've ever been a part of. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that Sammy, we've really realized in our lives how beneficial it's been to be involved in a group with not only someone like Ken, who serves as a facilitator and a coach and just brings so much good information and really allows kind of some, some of that one-on-one -on -one coaching. And if Ken was still here, I think he would agree with what I'm about to say. Perhaps the biggest benefit of these types of groups are the like-minded people that come along and join. So for instance, in the group that we're, we've been a part of, you know, we've had over the past five, six years, you know, 30, 35, 40 people that have been a part of this group for a certain amount of time that we still have connections with today. Many have been guests on this mm -hmm. show and many more to come. And they end up serving as sounding boards, as mentors, as people that you can go to for advice and suggestions that come to you for advice and suggestions. And you start building this little army that literally has the same common goal, and that is to help each other to succeed in whatever endeavors we're going after. And I'm telling you, you and I both meet so many people in this world, and very, very, very few people have a click like that that is aligned with how can we make ourselves better and how can we help each other? And that is, you know, I've said this word a couple of times tonight, competitive advantage. That's a competitive advantage for life to mm -hmm. have people like that. And man, you know, find people like Ken and find people like the, these members of these Vistage groups and run alongside them because the benefit it'll have for you is just unmeasurable. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I wanted to kind of promote from us since, you know, he didn't get a chance to do his shameless plug, nor did we, but I'll, I'll do it now. I think one of the things that we want to focus on here um, moving forward with the, the pursuit of growth is, is to focus on our community. And that's about like-minded individuals that are pursuing a life, living growth and trying to get better. It's tough. 
Um, it's, it's hard to, to maintain your balance. It's hard to maintain that growth mindset. It's, um, everyone regresses and everyone takes three steps forward. But I think, uh, the one thing we want to start promoting even more than we have, and we've talked about since day one is this opportunity for us to build a community of like-minded individuals that are focusing on growth. And so we invite you to, uh, number one, join our newsletter. Um, go to our website. You can subscribe right there. Greg produces fantastic blogs. Um, a lot of the content on there, Greg's sourcing himself. Um, the shows are listed on there as well. And that's livetpg.com. Uh, you can go onto our website, uh, take a look at that. We're going to be hosting now that COVID's kind of at least getting a little bit more manageable. Um, some more in-person style events, some more in-person interviews, some more talks and that kind of stuff too. So be, be on the lookout, subscribe so you get some news and updates from us because we'll, we hope to be uh, sharing more with you very, very soon. Absolutely. And on that website, you also have the opportunity to shameless plug by the Pursuit of Growth book, um, which really outlines the lifestyle that Sammy and I lead. And really, we work hard to implement that's based on active progress and growth and what we feel are the 11 foundational areas of life. And we touched on just about every single one of those areas tonight on this show. Um, and it really is a mindset and it, it just, it's intentional and it takes work, but we believe that it's absolutely worth it. And we think you will too. If you just go to our website, give it a shot, take a look over it, and then we'd love to hear from you. So reach out, tell us what you think about Live TPG, whether it's our blogs, our shows, our book, you name it. And eventually, uh, actually sooner than later, we're going to be starting a, a really exciting online community that, uh, we want you to be a part of so more to come absolutely well with that greg um great work again as always tonight and i hope the audience enjoys it i think they got a lot of, we got a lot of good takeaways and you know i've got a whole slew of notes once again so uh with that we'll say good night for tonight and then uh, we'll loop this back around here next week sounds like a plan everybody live tpg peace <laughs>